0: What's up, everybody? It's your boy, B. Scott, with the Philadelphia Eagles. I just want to thank you all for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave a five-star rating. Fly, Eagles, fly.
1: This is a Brawl Network production. You're listening to the Eagles Brawl Podcast.
0: Eagles!
1: Here to take you on the road to victory, it's Connor Miles, Ed Cross, Johnny
0: Page, and Tyler Steege.
1: All right, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Eagles Brawl of the Brawl Network. However, you're listening, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Radio.com, or wherever you get the podcast. We greatly appreciate it. We are powered by DraftKings, Manscaped, and Fanatics. Co-host Connor Miles here with NFL Wire of USA Today's Mark Schofield. Mark, it's always a pleasure talking football with you, sir. The reason why I had to have you on is there's no one I know better that knows the Patriots than you. So, right now, the Eagles are interviewing Josh McDaniels. He's looking like he's the prime candidate to be the Eagles' next head coach. I, I was not on board. I initially hear that, and I go back to the Denver days of when he sits down, Jay Cutler in the office, and tells him everything that he does wrong and everything that he's great about. I know that was 11 years ago. But then you look at what he just did to the Colts. He just left the Colts at the altar. He interviews with the Browns last year, and he tells them he wants full personnel control, which, I mean, he basically ruined himself getting that job. Uh, by going in there making all these demands it doesn't seem like that guy has changed as much as we thought he has Um, from the outside looking in this is an outsider perspective obviously but what do you know about Josh and what do you think about this potential hire for the Philadelphia Eagles if Joshua Daniels ends up becoming the head coach
2: well I, I think there are some things that Joshua Daniels would bring to the table Um, that could be beneficial to the Philadelphia Eagles I think one of the things that I respect most about Josh is what he does from a play design standpoint, from a play calling standpoint, what he does to help his quarterback. You know, at the end of Tom Brady's time in new England, you're still talking about one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, but Josh McDaniels did so much from a pre-snap movement standpoint to give Tom Brady information, to give Tom Brady help, he did so much from a play design standpoint to identify favorable matchups for the Patriots offense and then exploit them, whether it's getting James White matched up on a linebacker or Julian Edwin matched up on a strong safety, or, you know, even before that, I I think some of his best times in new England were when he had two, two good tight ends and Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez um, using tempo, using personnel, to create those mismatches and then exploit them. you know. A lot of times when they would have that 12 personnel package with those two and Danny Woodhead, they would see what the defense would come out in, whether base, whether sub packages, and that if they were in sub packages, they would run and they would use tempo so you couldn't substitute. If they were in heavy packages, they would throw and they would use tempo so you couldn't substitute. So he's a very good offensive mind that I think if the goal here from the Eagles is to fix Carson Wentz, then I think Josh McDaniels does make a good deal of sense because I think Josh McDaniels can do that. My concern if I'm an Eagles fan is this. If the if the plan at some point is Jalen Hurts, there's really no record of quarterback development from Josh McDaniels. You know, you look at the time in Denver, you look at some of his other stops around the league. There, there's no record that he's taken a younger quarterback, and turned him into an NFL quarterback. He's had Tom Brady to work with. And, you know, I I think he can help Carson Wentz. I think he can fix Carson Wentz because of the stuff that he does in the pre-snap phase. And that will certainly help Jalen Hurts if he becomes the starter, if Wentz doesn't get back to where he'd like to get back to. Um, But I don't think that there's that record of quarterback development, which would mean you would need hires at QB coach. You would need hires at offensive coordinator. And given the rumblings about Josh McDaniels that we've all heard and that we've seen, I'm not so sure he's going to be willing to say, I'm the head coach, you know, you're now Pep Hamilton, you're now the offensive coordinator, you know, you person X, are now the quarterback coach, and the three of us are going to do this together. Like when you're even hearing right now that Josh McDaniels wants some control of a personnel, it doesn't sound to me like he's willing to – divide up the responsibilities the way that you need to divide them up if you're going to fix Carson Wentz and or if you're going to develop Jalen Hurts. And so that's one concern. And the other concern is like you sort of outlined there, Connor, what has he learned? You know, I, I think at some sense, he's been humbled by, you know, what happened with Indianapolis, his time in Denver. Um, those were, you know, especially with the time in Denver, a bit of a humbling experience, but I'm not so sure we can bet on that. Um, you'd have to be, as an organization, very confident that he has learned the right lessons from those parts of his past and will apply them going forward. But I don't think we've seen evidence to be sure of that. Now, look, I'm not in the room. You know, maybe he's saying all the right things. Maybe he's doing all the right things. But anybody that's interviewed for a job knows that you can say and do the right things in an interview and then not do them. And so, you know, I it's a very sort of, you know, two-sided coin situation for me because I, as, as somebody that covers the Patriots, as somebody that's a Patriots fan, um, you know, there are things that he does in New England that I think I'd like to see him keep doing in New England. Um, but I do think that he could bring those aspects of him to Philadelphia. But at the same time, I'm just not so sure if he's the right move, if he's learned the things that he needs to learn to be a head coach in the National Football League.
1: I like that point that you made about uh, developing quarterbacks because I do think uh, going into these head coaching interviews, yes, Carson wants his plan A, but I think every candidate has to walk in there and have some sort of idea for plan B, which is Jalen Hurts. I think Josh, out of all the candidates they probably hired, at least brought that to the table because he said, "Hey, you know, Cam Newton wasn't the best thrower last year. He's kind of less half the player that he used to be. But look what he did to the rushing standpoint. Look what I was able to do with my system to make him a mobile quarterback. I can do that with Jalen, and Jalen's not." Uh, He's still in his prime. Like he's still reaching his prime of his career. He's still young. Cam was on the end of it, and look what I did there. That's the only thing I can draw from that. I don't know what else, because like you said, he's had Kyle Orton, which he forced that situation. And yes, Kyle Orton played well underneath him, but it was still an average quarterback. Uh, he went to Sam Bradford in St. Louis, and nothing really great happened there. Then he uh, has Jared Stidham, which we know that hasn't really panned out that well so far uh, for Stidham. And then Cam Newton, other than Tom Brady, it is... A little alarming, but that you also make another point that I think Eagles fans are probably like, "Whoa, that's not cool." Because usually, when a coach comes in, like per se Doug Peterson, you build up the staff around him. You don't let him just go into this blind. You give him a Frank Reich, you give him a John D. Filippo. That's what Jeffrey Lurie likes to do. Jeffrey Lurie likes to pick his defensive coordinator and he likes to build up his offensive staff. If Josh doesn't say yes to that, or he doesn't buy into that, I can't. I mean, I can't imagine how that hire happens. I can't imagine how he convinces Lurie because this is the team that hired Chip Kelly. This is the team that hired a, a guy with a mentality like that before of me, me, me. Let me do run the show. And it didn't work out. So I can only imagine. I mean, this just seems like a more a Chip Kelly, the more of his head on his shoulders and to NFL success in his back pocket.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and I, I think, Connor, if you look at sort of the pseudo mentor of Josh McDaniels, which is Bill Belichick. Look at how Bill Belichick sometimes structures his staff. I mean, his defensive staff last year was two of his sons and Gerard Mayo. I mean, not a, not a deep room. Um, you know, McDaniels during his time in there has also been offensive quarterback's coach at times. And, and so it makes me think that he's not going to be willing to divide this up because when you're a head coach, you know, you can't just focus on one side of the ball. As much as we'd like to think, you know, the Sean McVay's of the world and the Matt Nagy's of the world focus solely on the offensive side of the ball. You've got decisions to make about personnel. You've got decisions to make about who starts, who doesn't. You've got to have, you know, at least an inkling of what's going on on the defensive side of the football. Now, maybe, look, maybe he says, I'm going to hire Wade Phillips to just run the defense um, and not even care what's going on over there. But does that sound like the guy we're talking about right now? It really doesn't to me. The guy that's going to no. want his hands into everything. Um, and if you look at when Carson was at his best, you had that trio around him. You had Doug Peters, you had Frank Reich, you had Flip. And so you had three guys all pulled in the same direction. I'm just not so sure that that happens there. And so, you know, that part is certainly concerning And, you know, and then the, the quarterback development part, as an organization, you have to have a plan B. Like, even if Carson comes back and he's great and then week 17 or week 7 rolls an ankle and he's out for a couple of games, you've got to have a plan B. And, you know, McDaniels did some things to sort of make Cam Newton effective this year, so almost solely in the running game. Um, but I don't think you can, and the Patriots showed that this year, you can't sustain a team over a 17-game season with your quarterback primarily as a Pop or runner. Like, you, you've got to be able to throw the football that requires quarterback development. And I'm getting, you know, a, a, a sort of, pseudo Adam Gase vibe from Josh McDaniels, which is, he, you know, he has this reputation as an offensive mind, but it's built largely on the backs of coaching Tom Brady. The same thing with Adam Gase. He has this reputation as a quarterback guru, quarterback whisperer, built on coaching Peyton Manning in Denver. Like Connor, I could have done that, you know? And I could have basically said, Hey, Peyton, here's the playbook. I'm going to go play golf. Like you can figure it out. And then people would think, oh, I'm some quarterback whisperer because I coached Peyton Manning. The guy's one of the greatest of all time. The same with Tom Brady. And so, no, that's why I say, look, I absolutely think the world of Josh McDaniels from a play design and play calling standpoint. And there are even some Patriots fans that will tell you, look, some of the plays he calls at times are just head scratchers. And all play callers have that. So I'm not worried about that. But it's the developmental side of it that I have a big problem with. And when you have a young, second-year quarterback in Jalen Hurts, and a young quarterback, you know, on his second deal now in Carson Wentz, that you need to fix that—that that part worries me. That whole quarterback development part worries me.
1: I was wondering how you think Carson Wentz would respond to Joshua Daniels because, you know, Carson has to be fixed. And a lot of these issues, I think, go into the system that it was in place this year, but also it is on Carson. Like the, some of the thir- throws he was making were bonehead decisions. He looked nothing like himself yeah. this year at all. Um, and look, I, I tell everybody it's collective effort. It's from Doe Pierce's offense. It's to how Howie Roseman drafting Jalen Hurts. and putting the fear in God or making Carson Wentz always feel like he needs to look over his shoulder. And it's also Carson Wentz at the end of the day, he needs to play better. But do you really think Carson would respond well to a coach like Joshua Daniels? Cause uh, I'm not so sure. I'm not sure either.
2: I I think this next season is going to tell us a lot about Carson Wentz, the football player. Carson Wentz, the person Carson, once the athlete. Um, You know, I wrote uh, before the holidays, Um, I I did a piece like, you know, the perfect holiday gift for every NFL franchise. And what I had in mind for the Eagles was the right private quarterback coach, you know, because with the new CBA rules like quarterback training, quarterback mechanics, all that stuff that has to get done now. Like, and, and, and I wrote in that, look. Whether it's Quincy Avery, whether it's you know Jordan Palmer, whether it's Tony Rossiopia, I, I think the world of all those guys, whether it's the guys at QB Country, uh, there are some great private quarterback coaches out there. But once Week 17 was in the books, that Monday morning Carson had to be on a plane to one of those guys to start working on getting himself ready for the next season um, be, because it, it's going to take that buy-in. You know, everybody's raving right now about Josh Allen and Brian Dable and all the development and how great he is and is going to get Dable a head coaching job at some point. Allen did the work in the offseason, too. You know, he's been doing it year in and year out. Um, Carson needs to do that, you know, because, you know, whether it's some of the head scratching decisions, some of the hesitation, you know, not trusted routes, reading some of the stories that are coming out about Philadelphia right now and their offense and how, you know, it was cousins is, in a sense, because you know, there are stories about Kirk Cousins when Jay Gruder would scheme something open and cousins wouldn't throw it. And it's like, this is as open as it's gonna get in the NFL, man. You gotta throw it. Um, it's it's the same vibe with Carson right now. You know, when routes are NFL open and he's not making the throws. That's how it is in the NFL. Either you make those throws or you don't. And so he needs to trust that. He needs to make those throws, he needs to fix the lower body mechanics, Ben Solak, Dan Orlovsky, myself, everybody under the sun has talked about his lower body mechanics, he needs to fix that stuff. And it starts with a you know a, a private quarterback coach. But to the McDaniels' point, you know, quarterbacks can be tricky. And what we've seen from Wentz this past season in terms of they draft Jalen Hurts and it seems to have had this impact on him, that's a little bit terrifying in a sense because when you've got a quarterback constantly looking over his shoulder for reasons real or perceived or created in their own mind – that's not an environment for a quarterback to be successful. Trust me. I was a quarterback that looked over his own shoulder and I was awful. And so you don't want that if you're an Eagles fan. You want Carson Wentz or whoever your starting quarterback is not caring what's happening over the sideline because they're completely focused on what they're doing on a down to down basis. And so, you know, Josh McDaniels, the Carson Wentz, that sort of mesh of mentality and personalities, I'm not so sure it will work. But what gives me hope about that potential is. Throughout this season, when there were a lot of people in the New England media, you know, calling for Jared Stenham to get the start, calling for Cam Newton to get benched, McDaniels was Newton's biggest champion in the media. Like He was constantly going to bat for him week in and week out. And, you know, if there's a glimmer of hope to be found in a potential relationship between Wentz and McDaniels, it's that. It's the fact that McDaniels every Wednesday or every Tuesday, whatever the schedule was that week when he'd meet with the media, would say, look, he's our quarterback. You know, I, I think the world of him, he's doing everything we need him to do. He's getting better each week. Like he's the leader of this offense. Like that gives me some hope that, you know, you won't have that one situation where he's looking over the shoulder. Should McDaniels be the head coach and should Wentz sort of keep this job going forward?
1: It is. It's really interesting because I know you studied Carson once in extreme length when he was at North Dakota State, but. He had Easton Stick there that had to come in and win games for him. He's had Nick Foles kind had to come in and win games for him. And the Super Bowl might have, have that. And then Jalen Hurts, the same thing. I mean, I know it was he wasn't hurt this time, but he's always had somebody behind him that has talent. He's always had somebody behind him that come in and win te- games for his football team. I don't understand why. I mean, I guess it's finally because you get the big contract and they use a premium pick on a quarterback instead. Maybe that's what gets to you, but... Uh, I still believe when this pick was made, the mindset was we need a quality backup for our quarterback at the lowest rate we could possibly get it at on a rookie contract. I mean, I know you and I talked about it. There's no way Jalen Hurts fits Doug Peterson's offense, and I still – I think that even proved true at the end of the season anyways. But I just I, – I I can't believe that this is doing it to him. Yeah,
2: and I, I, it, it, I think it, you're it, right, Connor. I think it was – look – you know, the college situation at Eastern stick, you know, it was what it was. Carson sort of waited his turn. Um, you know, I, I think he sort of trusted that, you know, once he was healthy, he was ready to go. And you saw that in his senior year, the national the yeah. national championship game when he was able to come back, uh, the full situation that was an injury, but then he gets the big contract. Falls is gone. He's in Jacksonville. And he's thinking, okay, finally, this is my team. You know, I, this is my show. And then they use a second round pick on Jalen hurts. Um, you know, and it was just it was you saw that situation in Green Bay this year. Instead of Matt LaFleur drafting Brandon Ayuk or drafting Michael Pittman or drafted any other receiver that chuckleheads like me in the media were clamoring for them to do, they trade up and draft Jordan Love. And even Aaron Rodgers said, Look, that got to me. I poured myself four fingers of tequila that night. Um, because I just thought, look, they're drafting my replacement. Like they're not helping me, they're kicking me out the door. Like, you know, it could what it could even have an impact on, you know, a guy like Aaron Rodgers or, you know, Tom Brady. You know, there are all these rumblings about how he felt about Garoppolo. And while he was in New England, Patriots took a quarterback basically every other year, sometimes very early in the draft, like Garoppolo. And so, you know, it, it, it's even, it can get to even the greats. And so I think in a sense, that's kind of what got to Carson, like you said, that, the, you know, he gets the big contract, he thinks it's his show, and they draft Jalen Hurts. Um, you know, and sometimes people in the media, sometimes people on the outside might say, well, how, you can't let that get to you. These are human beings. You know, human beings thinking about their job, their future. You've got a short window um, for most NFL players to sort of make your career. Um, And when you see potentially that ending quicker than you'd like, it can get to you. Um, You know, I, I think comfortable quarterbacks, confident quarterbacks are good quarterbacks. Carson wasn't comfortable this year from a play execution standpoint to a personnel standpoint. And that sort of has to be fixed. And again, if the plan is we're going to fix Carson, you know, I do think that McDaniels, despite all the negative things we've been saying, it might be one of the better candidates out there. And it might be in a sense, sort of an olive branch to Carson, you know, provided they can fix and sort out all the other power sharing, coaching hires, all the other things we've talked about. Let's talk about
1: system. What do you, let's talk about the offense. Josh McDaniels going to bring to the Eagles then, because it it, us just theoretically say it happens. Uh, I'm concerned about his outside wide receiver production that he's had over the past couple of years. I know that uh, Nikhil Harry hasn't been the player that they thought he was going to be. Jacoby Myers looks like a good player. Definitely looks like a guy that they're developing well enough. Uh, He's revolutionized the slot position. I'll say that. I'll give him the credit for that, what he's done in his offense. But uh, I'm a little concerned about his outside wide receiver production. I think that's one thing that the Eagles needed to change. Uh, Maybe it's because, I, I hate to say it, the Patriots don't really value wide receivers that well, so... Did that play into it? Or does do you think he would come here and he'd be like, yo, I, I, I see how the Patriots treated the wide receiver position. I want to go back to how we were when we did Moss, Welker, and Stallworth and go ahead with the sixth pick and take a Devontae Smith and Jamar Chase, run it with Jalen Rager, see what we have in Travis Fulgham, all the other weapons on the team. And I'll uh, just load it up because I, I really can't get a good read on that. Yeah. Um,
2: you know, I, I think the national sort of, you know, the world of football fans got a good glimpse into how the Patriots treat the and evaluate the wide receiver position. That Thursday night game where they played the Rams and Fox put up that graphic of all the picks they've made at the wide receiver position. They have whiffed on the boundary receiver position almost every single time. You might say, look, they got it right with Randy Moss. It's Randy F. and Moss. Like, yeah. again, similar to the Adam Gase discussion, I could have traded for Randy Moss and it worked out. Nobody's going to call me like a great NFL personnel maker, decision maker. So, you know, they they have they can get the slot receiver position right, which is a critical element of their offense. You know, their offense, you know, it, it's traditionally in that Aaron Perkins system of uh, terminology-wise, you know, conceptually where you're, you know, attacking to the underneath, over the middle, off of play action, um, but they they stress that slot receiver position with so many different option routes. You know, it, it's basically like a running back in a sense because you are going to take shots, you're going to get hits. You've seen Welker sort of break down at the end of his career. You've seen Edelman sort of break down at the end of his career, but it's a critical component, and they get that evaluation piece right. Whether it's Welker, whether it's Edelman, you know, Jacoby Myers in a sense because I think he's more of a slot type guy, Amendola. You know, when they acquired him, they used him in a slot role. So they've gotten that part right. But it's the boundary positions, whether it's, a, you know, Chad Johnson or Ocho Cinco or Chad Jackson or, you know, Nikhil Harry recently. They haven't figured that part out. And so they, they, I think, you know, however much of an influence McDaniels had in those decisions – He needs to rethink it. The Patriots, as an organization, need to rethink how they view the boundary receiver position because it's a position that they've just gotten wrong so often. I think, generally speaking, the offense, while it is sort of rooted in those, you know, Aaron Perkins' designs and terminology and concepts, you know, like every system, you know, McDaniel steals from stuff that works for other systems. You'll see them, you know, and I'm really talking about the end of Brady's era because what they ran last year was just you know, a mismatch of stuff. Um, But you're seeing like air raid concepts, you're seeing West Coast concepts. Um, They've got some vertical stuff in their playbook as well. You know, you go through their playbook and you'll see stuff from, you know, West Coast teams. You'll see stuff from air raid teams. You'll see stuff from air Coriel teams. Like it's all in there, you know, but I, I think what McDaniels really does, and I said this earlier, is identifying those mismatches, identifying those advantages and then exploiting them you know, the good play callers in today's NFL, the McVay's, the Shanahan's, the Stefanski's, the LaFleur's, you know, they do that. They they understand that this is a matchup based league, and you have to identify the guys you want to pick on and then attack them. And the way you do that is you do it through personnel. You do it through scheme. You do it through movement priests now. So you get the defense that you want to run a play against, and then you call that play and you execute it. And McDaniels does that on a, very consistent basis. Even this year, you know, when they didn't have boundary receivers, they had a quarterback that was struggling to throw the ball. He still dialed up some stuff that if they could just executed those designs, they would have hit on some huge plays. And so, you know, I think in terms of Wentz fitting into this system, provided he is confident in the flames that are called for him and then makes and executes on those designs, he could be effective. You no, know, but the the fear is, you know, when you see him struggle to make reads and throws that he struggled with at NDSU, that, that's a concern for me. You know, when, when you see him on four verticals miss the inside seam routes against a single high coverage. And you remember that Monday night game when Creasy and Riddick talked about it, they lost their minds. And I went back and there was a play from his time at NDSU that – I remember draft Twitter debated for hours and hours and hours on end where he had single high coverage, he had four verts, and he just hunted on the outside route and just ignored what was happening on the inside. Like that—that's not regression. That's almost like a collapse of a quarterback. You know, can you fix that? And I think this this offensive system could help. McDaniel's could help, but it's going to be a big lift.
1: Yeah, two years of John D. Phillip, though, was not enough for Carson Wentz. That's the unfortunate thing about it. I mean, Press Taylor, I has not proven himself, not proven. To help. He's proven to be more of a buddy to Carson. And it's been a huge issue. And I think that's why uh, another reason why he considered Josh Moore is because, he, you know, he's not going to be buddy, buddy with the quarterback. He's going to demand the best from the quarterback. He'll, he'll be loyal to his quarterback. He'll demand the best from him. And like Carson Wentz going to have to deliver that. But I, I, that's a great point that you make about Carson. Um, he still does struggle with some of his college stuff. There's still some stuff where he, like you said, he locks onto one read way too much for my liking. And I love Carson Wentz, I think he's a talented quarterback, but uh, you're right. There's still some stuff where you could see that it was not developed. And that's on the coaching. You have to look at the coaching for that. Uh, so do you really think Car- Josh can come in here and say, hey, Carson, like this is what you're still processing wrong, and this is what we need you to get right? Like This is what we need to fix and to get you to that
2: next level? I mean, I think that's the bet you're making if you hire Josh McTiernan or if you hire anybody. I mean, you know, because... Uh, the pure economics of the situation require that you have to give this a shot at fixing Carson Wentz first. I mean,
0: mm-hmm.
2: I've got their over the cap page up right now. And yeah. w- w- when the you know cap situation for next year is in red numbers, it, it's not a good thing. Um, so they've got some tough decisions to make and, you know, the, the economics of the situation require that you give it a shot with Carson Wentz. Um, you know, perhaps that sort of outside perspective, somebody coming in, you know who's got a couple of Super Bowl rings that he can put on the table. Um, sort of, you know, while you know Carson has one, McDaniel's has a bunch. Um, and he can say, look, you know, I was doing things to help Tom Brady. You know, and Carson, let's be honest, you're not you're not Tom Brady right now, but I can help get you there. You know, but it's going to require that buy-in from Carson Wentz. You know, and I think again, McDaniel's in this offense and what he does schematically can be so quarterback-friendly. Um, to the point where, like, I could make some of these throws because you're just putting that quarterback in a position to be successful. And the main thing that I think, you know, when I say, the, you know, the phrase quarterback friendly, what I mean is you're giving that quarterback more information to make an informed and correct decision. You know, I like to talk about the decision-making window of a quarterback, and sometimes all you have is from snap to throw, that 2.75 seconds from snap to throw, right? What good offensive play callers and play designers do is they expand that decision-making window. So instead of 2.75 seconds, it's five seconds because you're using motion and movement and pre-snap movement to give that quarterback that man's own indicator, let them know exactly what kind of coverage they're in. You know, if you're moving somebody across the formation and nobody trails it, you know it's zone, but then you can do some other things via alignment, whether you flex out a tight end so you know exactly what kind of you know, zone coverage it is, you expand that decision-making window. And so those times when Wentz might lock on to somebody, well, now he's locking on because he knows exactly what he's getting, not because he's trying to figure it out. You know, I was doing a show recently with Tony Rossiope, and he talked about how young quarterbacks have that tendency to lock on to that first read. And the biggest thing that quarterback coaches need to do is get them to get to two. If you can get to get the two, you're going to be okay. And part of the way you do that is you expand that decision-making window. You know, at times I thought Peterson and his offense was too static pre-snap. Um, they did try to incorporate motion and movement throughout the years, but you can always do more of that. Um, and a lot of people say, look, you know, using motion, it isn't just a Band-Aid cure-all. It has to be the right kind of motion. And, yeah, there is that. You know, I, I think there has to be more motion for impact, motion at the snap. Um, so you get guys moving, you get defensive guys having to move before the play begins, and you get them having to think, but it expands that decision making window, which I think is going to be critical for Wentz. And I think McDaniels can do that.
1: And the running game. I mean, you could plug and play any running back back there. What do you Damian Harris this year did not see that coming? Uh Rex Burkhead, Danny Woodhead, like you said earlier, James White, Sonny Michelle, like well, I'd be excited for Joshua Daniels' system to see what Miles Sanders could do, but not only Miles Sanders, Boston Scott looks like a perfect fit for that as well. And then whoever running back, Jason Hutley, also is a good is a good fit for that as well, or whatever running back they bring in. So I can see him being more quarterback friendly from the what you're talking about, plus the running game, because that's the huge thing for the Eagles was Doug Peterson had no balance this year. There was no balance with the running game and the passing game to really help your quarterback out at all until really Joe and Hurts gets inserted, and then you start leaning on the run more. So I think what Carson too is, You have Josh in here. He's going to implement that running system to really balance his
2: offense out. Like, really, like 2017, that's where you saw Carson at his best. Yeah. And, you know, McDaniels, you know, a lot of the time when you talk about play calls, the focus is on the passing game. Everybody loves the passing game. But from a run design standpoint, McDaniels is fantastic. And they were a great mix of zone, gap power, uh, trap stuff. Um, And part of it stems from the fact that the Patriots have had a great offensive line. And the Eagles have the potential to have a great offensive line again, too. You know, they've got talent up front. And when you can set up the run game as such that you can wear down a team, you can run gap power on them, you can use outside zones to get to the outside, and then all the attended play action stuff that comes off of that, you have the opportunity to use play action as that cheat code where you force that defense into that decision. Do they stack the blocks? Do they bring down the safety? Do they sell out to stop the run? You know, just watch the NFC division around game between Green Bay and L.A. You know, when you saw the success that Green Bay started to have in the second half, running the football, and you had Brandon Staley, who was so good this year, using two high looks, pre-snap to force you to run and then still stop in the run. When he couldn't do that, and he had to bring that safety down into the box, what happens? It opens up that play-action shot play to Lazard over the top for the dagger, tie a touchdown. Um, you can set that stuff up for Carson Wentz. And – play action can be that crutch it turns okay quarterbacks into good quarterbacks such as Baker Mayfield such as Jared Goff um that sort of Stefanski McVay and design of propping them up with play action and outside zone stuff you could do some of that with Carson Wentz and McDaniels has shown an ability to do that and so i think that would be beneficial and yeah guys like Sanders guys like Scott i mean th- they'd be almost ideal for this kind of design because those are guys that can operate in the slot. You know, both of them could work in a sort of James white role. And then Sanders, I think could, you know, factor in a lot of the outside zone run game stuff. Um, I, th- I think those guys would be a huge boost. And I think what McDaniels can do in the run game, what he's proven he can do in the run game would be a huge help for Carson Wentz or Jalen hurts. Cause if you start thinking about hurts, you see what McDaniels was able to do this year with Cam Newton. You know, you could get some of those run game elements with the quarterback's legs. I think, you know, from a run game perspective, McDaniel's fits a lot of what Philadelphia can certainly use on the offensive side of the ball. I
1: also think he values building through the trenches, like you said. I I think that's a huge that's an Eagles philosophy yeah. too. That's Jeffrey Lurie's bread and butter right there. And if Josh goes in there and says, "I want to keep it the same way." Like that's exactly how I view the uh, offensive line too. That's another key for him. That's another win in his hat for the interview. Uh, also, draw Mayo. Let's get into the draw Mayo a little bit. I think you you kind of brought me towards the light on Joshua Daniels a little bit I know you still have concerns as well and they're honest concerns as we all should have but that is some great points about Joshua Daniels and Carson Wentz that maybe the Eagles are already like pinpointed on rather than the fans worried about uh, his Denver tenure oh uh, what he did with the Colts and all that the personal stuff all aside we're all aware of but what he can do with philo- uh, philosophy blah, what he can bring to the offense and bring to the system onto the field uh is definitely what we need from Joshua Daniels. So I do, I am a little buying in because of that, but draw Mayo. I mean, really came out of nowhere. Uh, what he's done with the Patriots. So you cannot, he was a leader on the football field as is when he was a player there before everybody looked at him. Uh, he was what Teddy Bruschi was after Teddy Bruschi left. Now he's one of these great coaches and the Eagles even had to interview him. I'm curious now, Jeffrey Lurie usually picks his defensive coordinator. He doesn't usually let the head coach pick his, but I mean, uh, I'm wondering in this instance where he goes, Hey, you know, I like this guy that works with you. Like mean, this draw mayo guy, he he knows what he's doing. He's and we need help with the linebacker position because we don't really view it in the right sense. Let's bring him in here as a defensive coordinator, and at least you already have a relationship with him. That I could potentially see happy. What do you think, man? Like what's, what what's where we miss on draw Mayo? Because I mean he's coming, he's really coming out of nowhere as a coach.
2: Yeah, and you know, there are Bill Belichick has done a good job at sort of identifying, you know, whether it's former players or, you know, other assistant coaches that have an opportunity and a future as a head coach, whether it's Brian Flores, Um, we all know the sort of Belichick coaching tree and it's had mixed results at best, but I think Flores um, is going to be a guy that's going to be a very good head coach or see what he's building down in Miami. And I think, look, he knew it when Mayo was a player, you know, he knew that Mayo was a smart mind that knew the game inside and out and now you're seeing whether it's some head coaching interviews that he's had you're seeing rumors that he could go back to his alma mater Tennessee they've got a horrible head coaching situation you know they just fired the head coach because of some scandals you know maybe there are some people I'm reading them you know pushing Mayo as the next head coach of Tennessee um you know I, I think what Mayo could bring is that sort of matchup-based mentality that Belichick has sort of evolved into on the defensive side of the ball to the Eagles' defense. Um, You see that with what the Patriots like to do. You, You talk about philosophically building through the trenches, and people sometimes do that on the defensive side of the ball. But you've seen in recent years the Patriots building through the secondary. You know, when you look at J.C. Jackson, when you look at Stephon Gilmore, the additions they've made in recent years, Kyle Duggar in the second round of the draft, having Devin McCourty, who's got a cornerback background, but moving him to safety, Jason McCourty, Jonathan Jones, they're so deep in the secondary now that they can play matchups, you know, and it gives him the flexibility to do what Belichick sometimes loves to do, which is take your lockdown corner, put him on your number two receiver, then take a corner and Dedicate safety help over the top. Now you've got one and two locked down. You don't have to worry about them. Now you focus on stopping the tight ends and things like that. Um, they're trying to play matchups on the defensive side of the ball, and Mayo's got that background now where you can look at this Eagles secondary that has had some problems, but now you can sort of tackle things from a different perspective. You don't have to just rely on playing zone coverage or trying to you know, force invert two to try to confuse people, which, let's face it, stop running invert two. It doesn't work, kids. You can play those matchups in the secondary. I think that's, you know, a, a sort of forward thinking approach that Mayo could bring, you know, and I think flexibility and sort of different looks up front. That's also something that Belichick has done. That's something that Flores has done. That's something the that Mayo is learning. Um, you know, that's how you confuse quarterbacks. These sim pressure looks where you've got everybody in a two point stance up front. You don't know who's coming or going. It could be two. It could be four. It could be seven. You just don't know. Um I've seen that confuse Tom Brady. So the Patriots started using it against other teams. Um, Mayo's got that background. And so the football smarts, you know, what he's learned over the past couple of years, sort of the evolution of the modern NFL defense. You know, you can't just, in today's NFL, with all the stuff we've been talking about, Josh McDaniels, you can't just line up, stay static as a defense pre-snap, spot drop it to cover three, and expect to stop offense. You just can't do that. You have to be multiple. You have to be playing matchups you have to be matching routes matching patterns um that's where the NFL defenses are trending and Mayo's got that background and I think look I think he's destined for a head coach job maybe as soon as this year but if you can get him as your defensive coordinator I'd be all in on that whether McDaniels is a head coach or not I think he'd be a home run of a hire
1: Oh, yeah, you sold me on that for sure. I'm all in. I mean, I love John Mayo as a player, too. You could tell the leader he was not on yeah. the football field. Uh, I love that. The, you always had to thrive on matchups. Yeah. I love that because you see with Jim Schwartz, uh, it was more reliant on your talent, relying on your talent to make the play and bend it, but don't break. Uh, it got played out. I think it really got played out, especially when the offense wasn't producing because that, that defense works when your offense scores a lot of points. Right. And their offense was scoring a lot of points, so that didn't work for them. Uh, I would love to see something like that, especially with this D-line. Because I think you could, I mean, even if you do make these moves, because you have the Eagles over the Cap situation pulled up, they're going to be making some tough decisions this offseason. There's going to be some really good guys that we see leave this team. But, I mean, there's still some young talent. There's Derek Barnett. There's Josh Sweat. Javon Hargrave, who they signed this offseason, season, still pretty young. I would not mind seeing what Jerome Mayo decides to do from the, the deployment uh, standpoint with that. But not only that, focus on the secondary, please. My God somebody in here to focus on the secondary because nobody was before. Yeah. Like, if you can help us in that department, but yes, by all means, come on over here. Because what you, what the pages have done with J.C. Jackson now, leading the league in picks, and uh Jonathan Jones is a great nickel corner. And then uh Jason McCourty, who was really on the outs with the Browns and the Titans, comes with New England to revise his career. Devin McCourty, like you said, is one of, one of the greatest safeties. What they do with the secondary. I mean, Stephon Gilmore also as well. He was coming off a of Bills tenure where he was kind of, on the back end, like he was kind of uh, wailing out. He was a first round pick that wasn't really panning out anymore. And he goes to New England because one of the best corners in the NFL. I would definitely pluck that trade. One,
2: uh, one of the, um, you know, in a in, in way to sort of sell people on hiring McDaniels, hiring Mayo, hiring people out of the Patriots organization is one of the things that I think the Patriots don't get enough credit for is how is that? The, let me put it this way they asked the right question. You know, in terms of player evaluation, so many times you see people in media organizations ask the question, well, what what can this guy not do? Patriots ask the other question, what can he do? You know, and that's why they're so successful. Put the draft to the side. We always love to hype up the draft. Free agency. They find these guys sort of in the secondary free agency market, whether it's like a Kyle Van Noy or, you know, Jamie Collins or Daron Harmon or guys that they sign sort of midway through free agency. They don't get the big headlines because they were misused by other teams. You know, they tried to in Detroit turn Kyle Van Noy into this like coverage type linebacker. No, let him be an athlete. Move him around up front. They found a role for him. They asked that question, what can he do? And it worked. Jason McCordy, you know, you're, you're using him as sort of a hybrid type corner. No, what, what can he do? We'll find a way to make that work. McDaniels will bring that. Mayo will bring that. They'll bring that mentality of when you look at roster development, don't ask what these guys can't do. Ask what they can do and if that will work with what we need. And if it can, great, hire, f- sign this player. And so I I think when you're facing these sort of tough decisions from a financial standpoint, when you've got to get under the cap and the cap's going to be lower than we thought, you know, it's still going to be higher than the 175, but it might be more like 180. That's going to be a reduction in the cap space. You've got tough decisions to make. That might require you to hit on some of those secondary free agent hires and signings they can bring that mentality. So I think that's something these guys could bring. That's a background these guys can bring. And if McDaniels does sort of have that input and personnel and have that, some of that power sharing, if he's bringing that mentality, that would be huge for Philadelphia.
1: I know everybody listening right now is probably thinking about Matt Patricia and Bill O'Brien and all those other names. Look, the, that- the Patriots,
2: the Belichick tree is bad. The Belichick tree has a lot of rotten branches off of it. Um, you know, And I'm not here to guarantee that McDaniels is going to be one of the few good ones. It might be another rotten branch. But there are things that he has learned along the way from Bill Belichick, such as you know matchups and the secondary free agency market and things like that, that I think will be beneficial to Philadelphia. I just do think that if they do make that move, the, the, I would want to see who the OC is. I would want to see that there, there's a quarterback coach coming in, and I would want to see who the defensive coordinator is. If you could have that sort of group-shared, you know, power-shared, Roster of coaches built out, I'd feel much better about it. If they hired Josh McDaniels and I hear he's going to be offensive coordinator and QB coach as well, I'm, yeah, I see you shaking your head, Connor. I would be, I'd be like, no, 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 no. You need that strong group in place, um, you know, because you need to divide up the tasks that need to be done. Um, I'd feel much more comfortable if I hear, you know, boom, he's our head coach and whoever it is, Dan Orlovsky is offensive coordinator, you as, quarterback coach whatever that you've got a group around him to do the heavy lifting that needs to be done
1: I was I mean we look around the league I I really don't know how many more connections he has or what kind of staff you would even build out because uh I mean most people pick Chad O'Shea as his offensive coordinator for prediction uh the Rams just blocked Kevin O'Connell from interviewing with the Chargers so I don't think that's going to be happening uh to be reunited with his former quarterback uh do you have a sense of what kind of staff you would build out I think my, from what it looks like, I feel like he, he would try to
2: keep Jeff Stoutland. So I think that's a lock. But other than that, I really don't know. I mean, look, if I'm advising, if I'm advising Josh McDaniels, these are the hires I'm telling him to make. I, I, I think, you know, Chad O'Shea is a, perhaps a quarterback's coach. Um, that might make some sense. I, I don't want Chad O'Shea as my offensive coordinator. I want Pep Hamilton as my offensive coordinator. I, I've been betting the Pep Hamilton drum um, all offseason. Um, you look at what he's helped done with uh, Justin Herbert. Herbert is miles away from the quarterback we saw at Oregon. Um, the strides Herbert made as a rookie are incredible, and I'm going to want some of that in the building. So I'm Pep Hamilton is my first call. My second call is Dante Scarnecchia. Um, I want him in some kind of role. Um, maybe not as offensive line coach, obviously, because you know you've got some guys that you you can mention there. Um, but I want him at least as some sort of advisor, um, because if you're going to build this out through the trenches and make some tweaks to that offensive line, maybe some personnel moves to that offensive line, I don't think there's a better mind on this planet than Dante Skarnecki. And I know he's retired and he's fishing and he's happy as a clam, and I get it. But I'm trying to pry Dante, you know, at least for a couple of times a week to come in and help with this uh, this offensive line because you want to build that part of it out as well. Um, but I think, look, again, whoever the names are, they just need to be people in there. You know, whether it's, you know, Chad O'Shea or Pep Hamilton or, you know, Shane Steichen, who was the offensive coordinator with the Chargers this year, Anthony Lynn, whoever. Like, you just need people in these roles mcdaniels cannot do it all by himself that would be the one thing that terrifies me the most again if they make this hire they don't build an offensive staff around him
1: i would love pep hamilton it's funny i because i remember talking to you about the NFL draft and justin herbert and i wasn't completely sold because there's oregon tape and then he goes in there and just, shoo! yeah yeah he let that on fire it, it just i mean talent does matter he has to have that talent around him and oregon needed not and la gave him a little bit more and look what happened but I, I agree with you. Pep Hamilton, Definitely, that's definitely a notch in his hat. Absolutely. Uh, he's not key, being considered for offensive career jobs right now. These teams are fooling themselves. No,
2: I mean, look, I, I'm surprised he hasn't got more head coaching interviews. I mean, he's – Agreed. I mean, what you did, with, what he did with Justin yeah. Herbert's real. Yeah. Like, you, you want that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, since he's not getting those kind of gigs, you know, if I'm looking to hire a new offensive coordinator, Pep Hamilton's probably my first call.
1: If you're gonna give Josh McDaniels another chance, Pep Hamilton deserves another chance. Absolutely. I mean, what he did with the Colts was it was still good. Yeah. I mean, and then he he's been with the Browns, he's been with the Chargers, like
2: he's proven it, he it, 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 he's say done. what you want about the XFL, but he was their general manager in Washington. Like he's head coach, general manager there, built an organization from the ground up. Um he knows football. Yeah, I I'd be bad the table for Pep Hamilton.
1: That'd be a great pairing. Josh McDaniels and Pep Hamilton. Okay. I can get more on board with that, especially with the uh, job Mayo's defensive coordinator. You kind of sold me on that stuff, sir. Absolutely. Mark Schofield, NFL wire of USA Today sports media group. Always a pleasure having you on talking football. One of the best minds ever discussing football. Go check out his articles at Mark Schofield on all your social medias. Great knowledge, great insight, great time. Just reading those things and just learning. That's all I like to do. That's why I like to talk to you, sir. I like to learn. I, I, was a brash when I heard about the Josh McDaniels interview. I was like, "No, this is frightening. I am against this." But I think I need to open up my mind a little bit more. And who better than talking to you about it? Because well, now you've kind of sold me on some points about Josh McDaniels, even though I'm not all in yet. Yeah,
2: right. Nor, and I, and I I'm not good. saying you need to be all in. Look, um, because I have my reservations too. We've talked about them, but I hope I could at least ease the fears a bit. That there's a way this could work. That's a, that's all I'll say. There, there's a way this could work.
1: And this is a way that he could save Carson Wentz yeah. and revive him. Because that's why I think they'll... Because everybody's looking at this situation with the Eagles. And I'm like, Josh turned down Andrew... Because at the time, Andrew Luck wasn't retired. Josh turned down Andrew Luck, Chris Ballard, and the Colts cap situation. He turns down the Browns. And then he goes in Philadelphia and he, he he takes a quarterback room that's completely broken with two very talented quarterbacks in it. A cap situation that's awful. And a GM that people wonder why he's still the GM. And he goes to that situation instead. Uh, I think... Really what it is is the Philadelphia market, the Tom Brady not being in New England anymore, so what are we going to do next? And then the allure of trying to fix Carson Wentz because I feel like the around-the-league perception around, about Carson Wentz is he's still a talented quarterback. Uh, I would believe Josh, if he's interviewing for this job, believe so too, and he thinks that all he needs to be changed is the system. So if he thinks that the system needs to be changed and he can implement that and make Carson Wentz the quarterback like in 2017, the MVP-caliber quarterback that he was,
2: we're going to be talking about Joshua Daniels when we're talking about Sean McVay. Yeah. And I think that he would like that. I, I think that's a big draw for anybody that's interviewing for this job is like, you know, the cap situation is what it is. You've got a quarterback room that is what it is. But if you can fix it, you know, you're a hero, you know, and that's going to totally change know. the league's perception of you. And so I think that's a draw for McDaniels. I think it's a draw for anybody that's interviewing for that gig.
1: Agreed. Thank you for coming on, sir. I greatly appreciate it. We'll have to have you on again during the season. If it ends up being Joshua Daniels, and see how it goes. Sounds good,
2: my friend. Always a blast, Connor. I appreciate you.
0: Looking for a way to make quick cash? Making cash with DoorDash is super easy, guys. I love driving around my town, and now I can do that and get paid. Not to mention the sign-up process was so easy. Download the DoorDash driver app today to get started